Welcome to the Gestalt IT Rundown, where each time we meet, we run down the IT news of the week with a variable degree of snarkiness. I'm your host, Stephen Foskett, and joining me today is my co-host, Zach DeMeyer. Welcome to the show, Zach. Hi, Stephen. Happy to be here, as always. Great. Well, you know, Zach, uh, apparently today is National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. And really? frankly, I don't have anything to say about that because there's nothing wrong with chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, I, I have no no complaints there either. Honestly, I was hoping that you weren't going to trick me and say, haha, just kidding. It's oatmeal raisin day. But here we are. Uh, glad to hear it. Don't you hate that? You know, you bite into one. You're like, oh, man, that's a raisin. Does anyone yeah. actually here uh, viewers uh, write in? Uh, do you like raisins? Thanks. Uh, moving on to pleasant thoughts and uh, warm uh, breezes. Uh, palm trees, sandy beaches, coconuts, and menacing robot dogs. The capital of Hawaii, Honolulu, is one of several municipalities using Spot, the Boston Dynamics terrifying robot dog, to bolster the effects of their police force. Currently, the Honolulu Police Department uses spot robo-dogs to scan people at a nearby government tent city for fever, indicating a potential threat for a, a COVID-19 infection, as well as remotely interviewing infected individuals. Of course, spot also reinforces the appearance of the police uh, with the populace, I'm sure. In spite of these altruistic uses, many worry about the potential misuse of robot dogs, including address, aggression, violations of privacy, and freaking nightmares. Do you think there's a future for robot dogs that doesn't end in the subjugation of humanity? You know, Stephen, that's kind of a toss-up, honestly. Uh, I've, you, we, we, lots of people have seen the show Black Mirror, and there's an episode specifically that uh, has robot dogs that are just the strict, aggressive, and invading privacy police force that go around and are terrifying everybody uh and you know that is a very real potential future and one that i sincerely hope is not the actual future um but you know looking at what they're using the dogs for now currently it is it is rather uh you know admirable they're they're trying to limit the amount of exposure that people are getting by having a robot do the testing and, and do the interviewing instead of having a person do it but at the same time you know these people are going through a very hard time in their life. And if they are, you know, potentially inflicted with COVID, then their, you know, their lives are about to be a lot harder. And you think there'd be something uh, more sincere and warming, if you will, about having a, a human touch in, in these interactions rather than the, uh, you know, cold, lifeless faces of these robot dogs. Um, you know, maybe in the future, they could uh, give the robot dogs like a, a cute face, like a, like a normal dog, you know, make them a little bit more lovable or, or something like that. But you know, just thinking about the future of them as a whole, honestly, I'm I'm afraid to say that this might be a reality for us moving forward. We might have robot dogs patrolling the street, making sure that, you know, kids are staying off lawns and people aren't speeding. But uh, until then, I'm very happy that I haven't seen any spots in my uh, general vicinity. So, uh, you know, Stephen, we're going to move on to this next story, and it's going to be a bit of a change in tech because uh, we're going to talk about Salesforce who we just talked about last week, uh, you know, they just recently purchased Slack and they're continuing their uh, sort of rally, if you will, of acquisitions by purchasing Service Trace, uh, which is a German robotic process automation company. Uh, they are folding it into MuleSoft the, uh, and that addition of uh, Service Trace will enable Salesforce to expand 
their workflow automation capabilities. Is this move going to help them take one step further towards making the tech big three into a big four? Or is this purchase just business as usual for the Benioff camp? I'd say it's business as usual. Um, yeah, MuleSoft was a great acquisition. Um, and uh, Slack was a great acquisition. And uh, Service Trace, well, Service Trace is cool. Um, good stuff. Robotic process automation is a, is a hot topic. And it fits right in with uh, Salesforce's overall goals to be the uh, robotic overlords of all things business. Um, it all works. Uh, I uh, frankly don't have a lot to say about this overall. Uh, for me, I think the interesting thing is that RPA is kind of going the way of uh, HCI and other TLAs in becoming something that gets acquired instead of something that's the basis for a company. And I think that that's uh, what's going to continue to happen uh, going forward from this. So yeah, this is Salesforce being Salesforce. And this is also kind of the tech market being the tech market where we uh, see some companies invent a new space, they do some really cool things, and then it goes away. Hey, Zach, uh, I can't also, I, I can't believe that you missed out on, on calling out the connection between robot dogs and robot process automation. Um, what was I thinking? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, what you need is you need an AI that'll help you see the future. And hmm. um, you better call Tom Cruise because that's uh, what's happening with the Pentagon right now. Uh, the Pentagon announced a precognitive AI initiative as part of their global information dominance experiments. I mean, who comes up with these names anyway? What's wrong with these people? Yeah. Um, they can now pre predict events before they happen. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, GIDE is being used to identify where to mobilize forces. But as of the most recent dry run, several believe that it's ready to be tested in the field. They deployed forces to places, exciting places like Washington, D.C. and Seattle. No, I'm kidding. Um, do you think that we'll be seeing more applications of predictive AI, uh, military or otherwise, uh, or should this remain sci-fi? You know, Stephen, that uh, it just, you know, you, you mentioned Tom Cruise, just thoughts of Minority Report, but then adding in the robot dogs who are then coming in and taking out the uh, the precognitive uh, sourced crimes are, uh, yeah, that just sounds like a straight up dystopia that no one wants to be a part of. Uh, but, you know, I think that as a whole, the the concept of a predictive AI is something that, you know, could be very, very interesting, you know, taking in, say, manufacturing data and comparing it to historical, you know, trends where, say, you have like a, a meltdown in your shop or something like that. The, those kind of things are going to really help uh, potentially, you know, stem some problems before they happen in certain realms. But, you know, when it comes to the military or the police or, you know, people that are, <clears throat> excuse me, able to, you know, use an exact force against other people, that's, uh, that's where it gets a little bit scarier to me personally. Uh, and so, you know, the, I, I applaud the military for trying to, you know, conserve the our, our tax dollars that are being spent on them so that they're, you know, not just sending people out into the blue for no good reason. Uh, and, you know, trying to instead go to places where they feel that their their forces are most required. But at the end of the day, um, I'm I'm here for the vote of let's keep uh, precogs in sci fi. And uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Um, moving onwards, you know, Stephen, it just is a summer of spending in the worlds of acquisition and mergers because we've got another one. This time, uh, it's going to be infrastructure semiconductor leaders Marvell, 
who have announced that they are purchasing the cloud and edge data, data center networking company, Innovium, in a $1.1 billion deal. According to Marvell, the deal should enable the addition of approximately $150 million incremental revenue by the next fiscal year. Stephen, will this move give Marvell the edge over competitors like Micron or, and Broadcom, or is this just another, you know, like we said earlier, business as usual type move? Yeah, I think this one actually could be a really important move. Um, many of you don't really know much about uh, what goes on inside the switches that are inside the data center. But right now, almost all of those switches are powered by Broadcom. And uh, to the point that, uh, you know, it's safe to say that Broadcom is the intel of the data center switching market. That being said, companies, uh, competitors of Broadcom are not too happy with this situation. And uh, frankly, Innovium was sort of the AMD of the data center switching market. They've come up with a really tremendous, uh, excellent product, uh, the, these uh, terabit uh, fast switching ASICs that they produce are uh, really remarkable. I, I urge you to check out uh, Tom Hollingsworth, who you may be familiar with from this show, wrote about Anovium uh, just in April and uh, talked a little bit more about what, what's up with these switches. Uh, fantastic stuff. Go to gestaltit.com. Uh, this acquisition really puts Marvell in a nice position because they want to challenge Broadcom and they're basically taking it to Broadcom in one of their most valuable markets, which is these merchant silicon for data center uh, infrastructure. And uh, Innovium has the technology to make it happen. Uh, frankly, I'm kind of surprised that somebody else didn't pick up Innovium, maybe NVIDIA, maybe Intel. Uh, maybe even um, someone a little bit uh, more surprising, uh, AMD perhaps. Uh, but Marvell has put together a really great uh, set of uh, products here. And quite frankly, uh, I don't want to suggest anything untoward, and I certainly don't have any insider knowledge of this, but uh, Marvell is setting themselves up to be an acquisition target by basically having some of the greatest uh, technology out there for some of the hottest markets out there. I mean, remember, one of the reasons that uh, this merger happened is because Innovium signed a major cloud uh, provider to use their next generation products and their next generation cloud. Um, Marvell is right there. So uh, could we see a blockbuster acquisition of Marvell by somebody like AMD perhaps? I think it could happen and that would be really phenomenal, but we'll have to wait a couple of years for that to happen because first this needs to get approvals, it needs to go through, it needs to prove itself out. And also we need AMD to raise a lot more money uh, from selling all their Epic server processors uh, if they're gonna really take on Intel in this market uh, as well. So now let's dive a little deeper into a couple of stories that we've got, uh, maybe a little back and forth here. Uh, Zach, uh, there's a new report from uh, Moody Analytics claiming that the global shortage of semiconductor uh, chips is really reaching uh, pandemic proportions. More and more countries are investing in their own semiconductor or manufacturing as the amount of available memory chips and processors is now considered a matter of national security. Um, with these semiconductors a prerequisite in almost everything these days from phones to cars to light bulbs and washing machines, uh, when will we reach the point where we can't produce chips, uh, enough chips to consume, and we can't keep the engine of global economy running? 
You know, Stephen, uh, I'm I'm a little nervous to say that I think we're reaching that point uh, a little quicker than than we think that we are. Uh, you know, we are are really going at it as far as uh, harvesting resources from Mother Earth. I mean, just the uh, the you know the toll alone of of building, say, like an electric car battery is uh, you know just like growing on you know the the tons of of rare earth metals and and kind of just expanding that out to to the semiconductor industry as a whole like like you said everything's got a chip these days you know you can't swing a cat without hitting something that has a computer in it and so because of that uh we're just going to keep producing these chips and um you know there is a a point where it will become unsustainable but perhaps you know um you know there are there are efforts uh globally to try and you know, recycle used electronic components and that kind of thing for their their gold and their copper. And, and perhaps that that might be a way forward for us to kind of limit the toll that we're taking on, on just the uh, general amount of resources available. But at the end of the day, you know, Stephen, it's going to be kind of tough uh, to, to keep this pace up. And I'm curious, you know, what, what, what do you think about all this? Yeah, I think it is a crisis. Um, and I think it's important to note that uh, this crisis isn't perhaps the kind of crisis you think it is. It's not like we have no chips. It's not like we're manufacturing none. Now, there has been a drought and a fire and a power outage and things like that that interrupted the supply of chips. And in fact, recently, there was a crazy situation of uh, contaminated air that uh, wiped out a whole batch of semiconductors at TSMC. But um, beyond that, we have a crisis looming, which is that any small disruption to the flow of all the various components that make up semiconductors, uh, from the silicon blobs uh, themselves, to the, to the wafers, to the manufacturing, to the machines that actually manufacture the chips, all of this stuff is susceptible to the sort of breakage and disruptions that I've just mentioned. I mean, who would have thought that a drought in Taiwan would uh, stop Ford from producing F-150 pickup trucks in Mexico. Uh, but it did. And, and that's the crazy thing. And, and that's what we're really looking at here. Frankly, uh, we've become too centralized and too focused on single suppliers for critical pieces of infrastructure. And when I say critical, I don't just mean uh, important. I mean, could you imagine um, idling all the auto factories, all the appliance factories, all the everything factories everywhere? And then there's the question of national security. And this one is important as well. And it's going to lead into our next story. Frankly, uh, countries are not very happy with having to rely on parts from countries that they consider at best competitors and at worst global adversaries. So if you're China and you're having to send uh, buckets and buckets of money across the Taiwan Strait to an island that you think should belong to you, you're not going to be happy with this situation. Similarly, if you're China and you're sending money to Korea, you know that's not going to be an attractive situation either. So China is bulking up. The same thing in the United States. If you remember the bogus Bloomberg story about spy chips embedded in servers, um, Frankly, that was a warning about this as well, because frankly, if you're the United States, the Department of Defense or NASA or whatever, you're going to be looking at this and thinking, you know, that wasn't true. But I wonder, I wonder if maybe it's not so good to have all our stuff manufactured in a country that is at best a global competitor 
to the United States. And so I think that there's really global implications here of the centralization of chip manufacturing, and that's going to lead us, I think, to a decentralized manufacturing future, which is why it's great to see investments in countries all around the world to bring more chip manufacturing out of South Korea, Japan, and Taiwan and into uh, the United States and Europe and hopefully places South America and Africa. I mean, it would be great if we had a global uh, chip supply instead of a central chip supply. There's one more angle to this story. I want you to look up EUV. Uh, this is the next generation lithography technique and it is controlled by a single company. And this company makes all the machines for everyone. And so if you're TSMC or if you're Intel or if you're Samsung or if you're a Chinese competitor and you want to compete, you need to buy from one company, one. Can you imagine if the, you know, the entire future of the global chip making industry is reliant on one company? So that's gonna be really interesting going forward. Indeed it is, Stephen. And, you know, nothing screams bottleneck like a monopoly. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. And hopefully, you know, perhaps there can be some competition that arises in that space to sort of help ease the load, if you will. Um, but, you know, you'd, you'd mentioned it before, and it's a really great segue here into a story that we've been following for a, a bit of time. And, and uh, we discussed it last week, the NVIDIA acquisition of ARM. And uh, we, we gave a, a tentative, uh, you know, say end of year kind of time frame, and it looks like it's going to take a little bit longer than expected. Uh, you know, the, the takeover, which, uh, you know, is arguably going to be one of the biggest ones in the semiconductor industry, uh, is running into some snags as uh, Chinese regulators have arisen some concerns amidst the ongoing trade war with the United States that you mentioned earlier. Uh, and uh, they are not sure if they want the uh, the American company to be able to take over ARM and uh, you know and and go go on further with that. Uh, and then in addition, Nvidia still needs to submit their paperwork to the European Regulatory Committee, so they're behind schedule in that market as well. Stephen, are these kind of holdups to be expected in a massive deal like this, or do you think that there's something else going on here? Perhaps kind of alluding to what we had talked about earlier. Yeah, I've said it before on the rundown, and I'll say it again on the rundown. This ain't gonna happen. NVIDIA will not end up with ARM. I would love to be wrong about that. That would be a lot of fun, but I really, really think I'm right about that. I really think that at the end of the day, we are not going to have NVIDIA buying ARM simply because there's just no way that the Chinese regulators would approve this. As I just said, uh, China is incredibly reliant on the global chip supply, not just for things that you'd expect like laptops and smartphones and tablets and so on, but for literally everything. I mean, think about all the things that are made in China and all the things that have a chip in them these days. I mean, frankly, every product uh, or almost every product you buy has a chip. My coffee mug has Bluetooth and an ARM chip built into it. So this is kind of a problem for a company that manufactures this stuff. And if ARM goes to an American company, and if the Americans decide to restrict the supply of ARM IP to China, um, then that would disrupt basically the majority of China's manufacturing, everything from cars to appliances to toys, everything would be disrupted. 
Now, I hear what you're saying, and what you're saying to yourself is, but Stephen, you're stupid. ARM is not like that. It's not like the United States could disrupt this. ARM is a British company, and they have licenses of their IP and all this. Well, you know what? Throw that all out the window, because at the end of the day, when you're talking global superpowers with nuclear weapons and giant armies, there is no open source and suing people and license agreements and UK company and all that. Um, I, I guarantee that if we had a American president who wanted to really rattle China, they will be playing the NVIDIA owned arm card against China. Whether they can actually do it or not is a different story, but they are gonna bring that to the negotiation and they're gonna say, hey, China, do you like manufacturing anything? Well, we're gonna turn that off if you don't do what we say. And you know what China's gonna say? I think China's gonna say, show me, make me. And that's gonna be a big global problem. That's why I just think there's just no chance this happens. Just yeah. no chance. I think that the only thing, the only real outcome for ARM and for SoftBank, which owns ARM, is to make it go public, uh, you know, an IPO again, and uh, to have it be perhaps part owned by NVIDIA. But I think that uh, the Chinese regulators would also even want a major acquisition of like part of ARM to include some Chinese companies, uh, some other global companies, you know, maybe SoftBank keeps a share, maybe, you know, some of the, you know, South Korean companies, you know, European companies. I mean, that's just the only way. And so that, I feel like that's the only way forward. So again, I said it before, I say it again, there's no way NVIDIA acquires ARM. And the fact that they haven't even submitted the paperwork to Europe yet shows that they don't even think they're gonna get past the Chinese regulators they were just basically balling this thing up long enough for uh, something else to happen. So yeah, it, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, Stephen, I think that's a pretty astute point. I, uh, yeah, not, <clears throat> not a whole lot to add to that ultimately, but you know, it, like you said, if, uh, if anything does happen to that, uh, that supply chain of chips to China, they're, they're, they, there's no way that they can be happy about it. Uh, and, you know, we are in such a tense time right now with, uh, you know, like we've talked about earlier on the show with, uh, you know, attacks sourcing from places in Eastern Europe and, and other places like that. And, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of at a, you know, the knife's head, if you will, and, you know, some kind of uh, hold up in, in the global scale of the economy, like, like, a you know, complete denial of service to an entire uh, country like China is something that is going to pop that bubble and pop it pretty, pretty quickly. So, you know, I think uh, it's, uh, it's kind of funny to think that NVIDIA would have the entire fate of the, you know, world as we know it resting on their shoulders potentially, but, you know, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a very, it's a very tenuous position here. And so, uh, yeah, I think, I think you've called it kind of hit it right on the head that is there's just no feasible way forward for them, uh, for them to, to make this move and not step on, you know, the toes of half of the world. So, uh, yeah, certainly, certainly, uh, uh, some tricky business there for sure. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll keep covering this. We're going to keep looking at it. We're going to keep watching it. Like I said, there is probably some sort of compromise path where they acquire part of it or something, but I just don't see, uh, Chinese regulators being willing to allow arm to go to NVIDIA. 
And frankly, the, the concessions they would demand, which would be something along the lines of giving up the ARM IP, are something that ARM would never, would never accept either. So uh, I think that we may see some kind of weird uh, compromise version, but there's just no way that, that it goes through as is. So remember, for updates on these stories and all the news from Enterprise Tech, please do join us for the Gestalt IT Rundown. You can find it in your favorite podcast application, or you can just go to YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash video. We publish a new episode every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern or 930 Pacific. We'll be back next Wednesday with more IT news of the week that was. We're also uh, doing our Tech Field Day events this week. Uh, Monday and Tuesday was a special event with Dell Storage and HCI VxRail. And uh, the rest of this week is uh, all about storage. It's Storage Field Day. So please do go to techfieldday.com and check that out. Zach, uh, what are you going to be doing here next week? That's a great question. You know, I'm going to be uh, here on the rundown again, uh, back with Tom Hollingsworth, who will be back in town. Stephen will be taking a little hiatus, uh, you know, recuperating and resting and all that. Uh, so I will be doing that. And then I will also be covering all of the events that we do here at Gestalt IT, writing up, you know, the Dell event as well as Storage Field Day. So stay tuned to, to catch up with that as well. Well, thanks very much, Zach. I look forward to that. And from all of us terrifying robot dogs here at Gestalt IT, I wish you a precognitively wonderful day. <laughs>